Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Motivational Mondays. I'm your host, Max Erzak, and joining us today is Jake Wood, the CEO of Team Rubicon, a nationwide nonprofit providing military veterans the opportunity to continue their service by responding to natural disasters around the world. Jake, thank you for being here. It's an honor having you with us today. Yeah, it's good to be here, Max. Thanks for having me. So today, Team Rubicon has close to 130,000 volunteers across the United States. I'm blown away by what your team has accomplished. Can you tell us about the origin story and what made you want to start this organization? The organization started about 11 years ago. Uh, I had just gotten out of the Marine Corps in late 2009. And in January 2010, the Haiti earthquake happened. And as I was watching that situation unfold, I felt compelled to do something. Again, you know, I just gotten out of the the Marine Corps. I served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I I was in the infantry. So I was fairly comfortable in tough environments and working in, you know, chaotic situations. Right. And so watching that disaster and that earthquake unfold, I really just wanted to help. And so I called a couple of organizations that I knew were responding down there and tried to volunteer with them. And none of them would give me the opportunity to, to go down and help. And so instead of just sitting back and texting $10, I called a couple of, of Marines I served with, a couple of old buddies, and we got together a team of, of eight people, veterans and some doctors. And we got down to Haiti about four days after the earthquake. And for the next three weeks, we, you know, the team rapidly grew. We were running these mobile medical triage clinics all throughout the city and really just repurposing the skills and experiences that we gained from the military to help these people. And it dawned on us that, you know, everything that we'd been taught in the Marine Corps, everything that we'd experienced overseas made us more effective in a disaster zone. And so we came back from uh, that disaster and we incorporated as a nonprofit organization. So this is, you know, early 2010 and we set out to build the, the best disaster response organization in the world. We have a lot of men and women who have previously served in the military and are continuing their leadership training through the NSLS program. As a veteran, can you share with us what the military taught you about leadership and how you've applied those skills throughout your life? I think that one of the most important lessons in leadership that I learned in the Marine Corps in Iraq, my first tour was that, you know, leadership at its core is nothing more than love. It's, it's loving the people that you lead. It's being able to demonstrate to them that you, you care about who they are, where they come from, why they are there following you in that moment in time. And just as important where they want to go in their life and how you, you know, demonstrating to them how you're going to play a role and do everything you can to help them achieve their dreams and their goals. And that's an exhausting thing to do. I mean, and a lot of people try to mail it in on that. They, some people might, they may buy into it. They may not. Some, some of the people who do buy into it still, they don't have the energy or the willingness to actually demonstrate that type of true, you know, passion for the people that they lead. 
but the people that you lead, they, they deserve that, right? They spend these hours with you. They're putting their livelihoods or sometimes their lives in your hands. They deserve it. And, you know, the thing that I realized in Iraq was, you know, there are some interesting things that happen when you, when you lead with love first. The first thing is that people feel safe. Um, and it's, it's interesting that I learned that on the battlefield where there literally was almost no sense of safety. But safety is relative. And it goes beyond just physical safety. You know, there's a psychological and an emotional safety that you need to provide for your people. And, and when I talk about it that way, I I'm not talking about creating a cocoon for people or creating like safe spaces where you can't talk about hard things. I'm talking about where people feel like they're going to be taken care of. And what happens when you create that sense of safety is that's where you find courage. You know, people, people become courageous when they think you have their back. And so you know, I, I, I tell people that all the time, I, you know, courage on the battlefield is born from this relative sense of safety. It's usually not physical because they're, they're usually being courageous because they're in great mortal danger or somebody else is, but they feel psychologically and emotionally safe because they know if they go down on that field, there's going to be a dozen Marines that are going to line, you know, line up and go after them to, to bring them back. And that, and that makes them feel relatively safe. And that ultimately is born of, of the love that Marines or soldiers or sailors have for one another. Uh, and that comes from the leader. In 2020, most of our lives were flipped upside down. Businesses shuttered, stay-at-home orders were issued, unemployment jumped to an all-time high. People simply didn't know how to deal with this invisible threat. And mental health quickly became a very hot topic. What advice do you have for ordinary civilians and veterans alike for dealing with these uncertain times? What steps can we take to stay on top of our mental health? Yeah, mental health is so, so important, you know, and there's, there's a lot that has been challenging over the last year with the pandemic. People are finding themselves locked inside. They're, they're finding themselves isolated from family, from friends. They find themselves disconnected from work. Um, you know, I think a lot of people before the pandemic thought it would be really cool to, to work from home uh, every day. And I think a lot of people, and I, and I know this, I don't think because I run a company with 200 employees, a lot of people have found out that working from home isn't, uh, isn't as great as, as you think. You, people, people underestimate the positive psychological benefits of being around other human beings throughout the day. So what can people do? Don't stay locked inside. Get outside to the extent you can. I, I know if you're if you're in northern Minnesota right now, you might be chuckling and saying, "Yeah, right. I'm not going to spend a lot of time outside. It's minus ten degrees." But to the extent you can, get fresh air and get some sunshine on your face. I mean, that's that's kind of step number one. Take care of your body physically. It's amazing the impact that physical health has on mental health. So do those two things. You can completely control them. You know, take advantage of technology and stay connected to your peers, your friends, your family via things like Zoom. Um, I do think it's really important for us to maintain safe physical distancing until we're on the other side of this pandemic. But to the extent that you can create a pod safely and ensure the safety of everybody within it, um, you know, there's there's some value in doing that. We have to balance, um, you know, complete and pure isolation with, of course, the the downside impacts that come of that. But there's a there's a right way to do that and a wrong way to do that. Uh, and then finally, you know, don't be afraid to talk about it. Um, be vulnerable, you know, reach out to someone and, and, you know, if you're having a challenge, don't be afraid to, to share it. Getting those things off your chest is perhaps one of the most valuable things that you can do. All right. Let's see if we can share some quick practical advice for our listeners. When you set a goal, how do you stay the course and not stray at the first sign of trouble? Surround yourself with people who are going to hold yourself, hold you accountable. 
What are the skills people need to train themselves on to become effective leaders? They're not skills, they're attitudes. Be, you know, have initiative, be tenacious, and always be enthusiastic. What advice do you have for soldiers just getting out of the military and going back to civilian life? Realize that your military experience has made you stronger and more capable and it has not left you broken. I've had the pleasure of interviewing a lot of amazing leaders on this show. And the common theme I keep seeing time and time again is that following your passion seems to be one of the cornerstones for a life well-lived. This is clearly true in your case. Do you recommend people follow their passion when trying to figure out what to do after college? You know, cliches exist for a reason. And, and there's a, a cliche that if you, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And it's 100% true. What are your guiding principles that keep you motivated and mission-focused? Leave the world a better place than you found it. I think that's, that's how I've tried to live my life uh, in the pursuit of impact, in the pursuit of making someone else's day or life better at every chance I can. With the COVID-19 global pandemic, we face the largest threat to our communities in modern history. This is a two-part question. Why is community involvement at the local level so important to defeat this virus? And can you tell us about the new vaccine coalition that your team launched just earlier today? Yeah, well, you know, this is the first time in our nation's history that all 50 states in, in plus our U.S. territories have been under a simultaneous emergency declaration. So this is this is an all hands on deck disaster. Our system for emergency management in the U.S. is designed to be as local as possible. You know, and I, th I think that's for good reason. Um, you know, the federal government can come in at times to provide assistance, provide money, but really the, the response, you know, whether it's a hurricane or whether it's a pandemic is incumbent upon uh, local governments to be effective in, in that response. So, you know, this is, uh, this is a whole of nation effort. You know, we have to ensure that the federal government is providing the, the, the funding and the resources, but execution is going to happen at the state and at the county level. So that's really, really important. Knowing that and knowing that our healthcare systems are overwhelmed, our public health departments are overwhelmed with this pandemic, you know, we have to figure out where we can add capacity at a local level so that we can accelerate uh, the, the speed of delivery for this vaccine. So we have launched, uh, you know, just here in the beginning of February, a new coalition that we're calling the Veterans Coalition for Vaccination, which is pulling together under a single umbrella six veteran service organizations with access to, you know, well over a million veterans in this country to get them out to serve uh, and support vaccination sites across the country. So th that's one part. The other part in the purpose of this coalition is to, you know, really leverage the, the trust that the American population retains in its military and veterans to help convince Americans that this vaccine is worth getting, that it's a patriotic duty uh, and I would go so far as to say obligation to get this to get this vaccine, um, you know, at a time when 30 to 50 percent of Americans are indicating that they don't trust the vaccine and that they won't get one. We won't reach herd immunity and get back to normal unless we reverse that trend. And so our hope is that, you know, as trusted public servants, uh, our collective voices can help convince more Americans that, hey, this is worth doing. And it ultimately this isn't about you. This is about your country and this is about your neighbor. How can people support the mission and Team Rubicon? 
Well, uh, it's a great question. As a, as a nonprofit organization, we rely on philanthropy uh, to do our work. And so to the extent people have the ability to, to donate to the organization, we'd love to have them go to our website, teamrubiconusa.org, consider a donation. And listen, if you're a military veteran or if you, if you have a veteran in your life that you think would benefit from serving alongside Team Rubicon, we'd love to have him or her join our ranks, become a gray shirt. And I'll, I'll also add that uh, you know, our, our ranks are not made up exclusively of military veterans. If you have uh, been inspired by what you heard, if you want to join the ranks, uh, please sign up. We'll give you all the skills you need to do the work. And, uh, and we'd love to have you alongside us. Tell us about your new book, Once a Warrior, How One Veteran Found a New Mission Closer to Home. This, so this book came out last fall and right around the election. And, you know, I'd, I'd chosen to write it about two years prior. And, and there were a couple of reasons why I wanted to write it. One, my first daughter was born. And that was obviously a moment of reflection for me. And one of the things I, I realized was that at some point she was going to ask me about the wars. And I felt like I deserved her a better answer than I could muster at the time, because I, I realized that I hadn't really given myself the time and space to process my wartime experience and how I felt about them today. So that, so, th- so writing the book in part was an exploration of, of that question. And then at the same time, Team Rubicon was approaching its 10 year anniversary. The organization had, had really grown into something that was, that was truly special and that is going to last for the next hundred years. And I felt like the organization, uh, its founding story should be memorialized. And so you know, it was it was an, it was an amazing experience writing this story of going to war, coming home, losing my best friend, and in the aftermath of that, building this organization that means so much to so many people, and and through that, explore these themes of of service and sacrifice. And finally, I would say that it was timely. You know, it came out last year, right around the election, at a period of time when our country is so divided. And, and at, a, at a period of time when I think so many Americans are afraid that our country's best years are behind it and that we're in this slow and steady decline. And I, and I think that if people read this book, they'll realize that America's best years are in front of it if we choose to, if we choose to pursue it and live up to that. And uh, so as an author, it was like the, the most amazing moment of my life when Tom Brokaw reviewed the book and said, it's the book America needs right now. That was like the most epic author moment ever. (laughs) What is the one lesson you want people to walk away with after reading the book? Every action you take, every interaction you have, every word you speak has the potential to either make somebody's life better or make somebody's life worse. And be really deliberate with how you choose to live your life and interact with people on a daily basis. I love it. Jake, it's been an honor. Thank you to you and Team Rubicon for your incredible commitment, your service, and for all that you do. I encourage everyone to buy Jake's new book, Once a Warrior, and to visit teamrubiconusa.org to learn more about how you can help. Just follow the links in the description below. Thank you everyone for joining us today. We'll see you next week on Motivational Mondays.